sexual assault and abuse. There's a lot of traumas that go on in people's lives. What we have found over time is that they're all related, but so many of them actually start with having some kind of sexual trauma as a child, um, teenager. It can happen anywhere in a life. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that's what we kind of decided to focus on was the sexual trauma, abuse, assault, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so needed. I know there's, uh, we can talk about maybe some of the statistics. It's uh, quite common, I think, for women and men. People may be surprised that it, it does affect a lot of men. In fact, as we are speaking right now, there is a an event for healing for men. I know it's obviously it's too late for people to sign up for that. You'll do another one in the fall. But uh, this is this impacts men and women, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's one in three women and one in four men. That's what kind of surprises people is is the statistic for men that have been affected by sexual violence sometime in their life. Mm-hmm. And uh, Becky Vysotsky, as I mentioned, a board member. Becky, uh, in the midst of your busy life as a wife and mom and working for Sidewalk Advocates for Life, why, why did you find it important to join the board of Dawn of Mercy? Well, as you mentioned early, Sherry and I worked together at Catholic Pro-Life Community, and I think it was just really eye-opening that a lot of times the violence that we see happen to the human person um, begins very early in life and can lead to just, you know, increasingly dire circumstances as they get older if it doesn't get addressed. So, you know, a woman who experiences abortion later in life, we often find out has sexual violence in her past. And so when you experience that type of violence at a younger age or as a young adult, it really starts to frame how you see the world. And if that trauma isn't addressed, it just continues to spiral, continues to create cycles of violence. And in our current culture, it's just so critical that we provide a resource to people where they can find a safe place to find healing. And, you know, Sherry had such a gift for um, organization and, and, and coupled with a devotion just to to really seeing the fulfillment of human dignity that I thought it was such a perfect opportunity when she saw this need and stepped up and wanted to fulfill it in in our diocese um, that it seemed like a natural a natural yes for me to, to be a part of, of the organization. Yeah, and also want to give out content information. We'll give this out several times during the um, the interview. There's a, a helpline, 469-613-3296, uh, 469-613-3296. The website, dawnofmercy.org, and you can also email healing at dawnofmercy.org. And Sherry, you mentioned childhood abuse, and uh, Becky mentioned about how sometimes it's associated also with an abortion, which obviously would happen generally with more uh, adult uh, women and, and, and men. But uh, is there a does it pretty much span the people that you're helping the entire life from children all the way into adult uh, a rape or incest or what? Uh, what? What is kind of the, the, the variety of uh, folks that come to you and say, I, I'm, I'm really looking for healing from sexual abuse? There is a variety. That's a good way to put it. Um, Many of the women that that we've had and the men, it has generally been um, during childhood, you know, a younger time. We have also those who have had in college and some a little bit beyond. And statistically, that is where most of the sexual assault happens, sexual assault or abuse. For many people, it takes 
30, 40 years before they're able to to come to terms with, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they think that they, they just take the trauma and they stuff it down inside of them because it's such a personal trauma that they don't, they just don't know how to deal with it. They don't want to say it openly. And so sometimes it takes 30, 40 years for someone to come forward and say, hey, yes, maybe I do need some healing. Mm -hmm. Some, it's right away. We've had um, college age that it was a very recent experience. Um, So there is a variety. Yeah, yeah. And of course, as we mentioned, for men and women as well, probably also a tendency to maybe blame themselves or they are gaslit into believing that they did something wrong or they invited it. And there's, uh, there's probably just a whole range of emotions and, uh, uh, that, that, go, that go along with the, this, this uh, hopefully a future he- healing process. Absolutely. Since it's such a personal trauma, personal means it's inside because to rightly, sex is an intimate uh, thing. Intimate meaning, you know, kept between two people. Mm-hmm. So... Being so intimate, the trauma becomes intimate, which means inside you don't spread it outside. We don't go around talking about our sexual experiences, at least we shouldn't, because it is private. And so that's what makes us shove it even more, more inside and not even admitting that it might be affecting what's happening to me today. Yes, Donna Mercy is the uh, topic today. Sherry Havlick, founder and president, also board member Becky Visotsky joining us via phone as well. DonnaMercy.org is the website. We got a lot to talk about, and there are um, the the event on December 4th. Let, let's just go ahead and, and talk about this now. What What is this event? What's the purpose? And uh, you know, what will be going on, on on the morning of December 4th? So it is a breakfast. It's a, we call it a networking breakfast, and the name of it is Beyond Survival. Since we talked about how personal this this event is and how how hard the trauma is, many people are just in survival mode. So it's not just what we have for healing. So the Catholic pro-life community, as Becky mentioned, um, they also serve women who are having a pregnancy. Um, other organizations serve women who don't have a home or who are being abused by their spouse or boyfriend. So, so many of these things are so intertwined. It doesn't take one organization. It takes many. It takes all of us. And that's the purpose of this networking. Whatever the services that you provide, you are probably, you are all needed to help all of these women, men, families, everyone that that, uh, can be affected by sexual abuse or assault. So it's a networking breakfast where we want all these organizations to come together and just get to know what each other does. Okay. And so that's pretty broad as far as anything that would be even remotely or directly involved with something like healing from sexual abuse. What if somebody's just like, I'd be interested in coming. I'm not part of any organization. I just want to come and maybe look into volunteering or supporting. Can they come? If they are interested and would like to help in some way, we would love to have them come. Um, or maybe they know an organization or are involved in another organization. Like say they're involved in St. Vincent de Paul. And maybe so they can go and tell St. Vincent de Paul that this is happening. Now we, we've sent emails to many, many organizations, but I don't know them all. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it's great to spread the news. Yeah, that yeah, this certainly. Is happening. Certainly. Becky, I'm, I'm just curious, the, the role of a board member and maybe some of the takeaways that you've had as a board member so far, it's a, uh, it's obviously, it's a very emotionally powerful ministry and helping people in very, very difficult times, which is probably like, like you mentioned, you drew the, the parallel to, to abortion, which you have a lot of experience in. But what has been your experience so far as a board member? Thing. I think just trying to help Sherry and, and Bernice and her team to get the word out there um, because a lot of times we find particularly in our, in our current environment, you know, there's a lot more out there in the public sphere that's negative. So trying to get the word out about positive forces in our culture, positive forces in our community, things that are there as a support system when people feel broken. And I think, you know, this event Beyond Survival is a key part of that. And I, I wanted to mention, too, because she's such a great resource that Bernice Simmons, who is a trauma specialist, so will be presenting at that event um, about the changing patterns of behavior and how to rewrite that narrative, really speaking to how to understand the mental health aspects of trauma and how to help our clients move from kind of that survival brain to the higher level brain where you can really start to not just survive, but thrive. And so as a board member, we're just there as a support system to help get that word out, you know, brainstorm ways we can connect with the people that really need these services, but also connect the organization so we're all working together towards the same goal of having a healthy and happy and faith-filled community yeah that's always the the challenge even in catholic radio you would think everybody knows there's catholic radio but i i come across people all the time that say oh i didn't even know we had a catholic radio station i mean we've been around 17 years so this is uh as uh, becky says sherry one of the big things with the december 4th breakfast is get the word out we we right. we exist we want we want to network with you and uh has uh, has that been a challenge uh, in the, the year? The, I guess you've been doing this for a couple of years now, right? About uh, about four years now. Four years, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's always a challenge because places change, people change, uh, new organizations come up. Some, you know, it it is a challenge. Um, but one thing that I think we all realize, and I was talking with uh, one of the ladies from another organization that we collaborate with a lot, and. We're both like it. Neither of us is a one and done organization. It takes us all. Mm-hmm. You know, we can help with the sexual trauma. We they can go through both of our programs, but they need other help. It it's a journey. And I think uh, some of our past interviews where we've had people who have mm-hmm. been on our programs have said it's a journey. It's not just you do this and now you're done. You can't provide furniture and now they're done. It, it it just takes us all. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so struck by what you said about it often taking 20, 30, 40 years before somebody comes forward. And I, I kind of think perhaps one of the reasons for that is that I, I believe, and you can tell me if this is right, typically the perpetrator is somebody they know. It's their uncle or their, you know, and, and they're, they, they, they don't want to drag somebody in. Or isn't there a certain amount of shame that, uh, I, I feel bad if in a, in a strange way to to bring old Uncle Joe into this, or uh, you know what I mean? Is is that part of it as well? They they just reluctant to open a can of worms, so to speak, uh, that they've been they've kept closed for so long. That is part of it, but the other part that goes with that, hand in hand with that, is that most often that happens when they're a child, mm-hmm. and a child does not have the 
brain capacity. I mean, just because they're not physically uh, developed enough to know this is uncle's fault. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, whoever it is. It's not my fault. They think their brain is very self-centered just because that's how the brain develops. And so they think it's their fault. Mm -hmm. So it takes that long for them to even realize that that they do need to come forward and say something. Yes. All right, if somebody is listening right now and they are saying, okay, it's time, now is the time, i got to make this call, as difficult as it's going to be, what is available to them as far as beginning the healing process through Dawn of Mercy? We have two programs, two specialized programs. One is a 10-week healing group. It kind of deals with the here and now, what's going on in their life right now that, that that could use some help, things that are triggering them, how to handle the triggers. Um, and the the um, retreat, then there's a three-day weekend retreat, which um, that is more the spiritual, psychological, emotional, um, trying to help address where to further them along the path. So one deals with kind of the here and now. It's just one night a week for two hours for 10 weeks, just one night a week. And the other is is a fuller healing. It has a little more spirituality in it. And uh, I'm looking at your schedule here. There's a English women's um, program beginning the week of January 21st. So still right. a couple of months away, but... Uh, uh, and this is going to be the 10-week program? That's the 10-week program. Okay. And then there's uh, a men's one. Now, the men's one is not till the fall. And so, obviously, if somebody is ready for healing now, they don't want to wait, you know, 10 months. Well, what can men do now? So, they always call us as soon as you're ready. Yeah. It is very difficult to make that call, and we know that. Because not only do we have these programs, but we also have a list of counselors who have been specifically trained in this particular trauma. And for men especially, it's very difficult for them to make that first phone call. Yeah. So if, if there's a man out there listening um, or you know a man that could use this help, I, I encourage you to just pray on it because mm-hmm. that's what's going to give you the courage to make that call. Men yeah. internalize even more so than women. And it's very difficult for them to make that call. Yeah. Becky, I want to ask you a question because I'm sorry. Again, I keep going back to your work in abortion as well. Oftentimes, uh, uh, someone may know of somebody who needs this help, but that person isn't making the call. And I think with abortion as well, what would be your suggestion for the... Uh, maybe the mom or the dad that knows their daughter did suffer sexual abuse, but she's not ready. Well, or, or you have a friend at work that has talked about it, but they're, well, how, how do you approach that person and say, hey, I heard this interview and maybe you need to call that. What would be your advice? Well, I think what Sherry said first and foremost is prayer, is to take it to prayer because, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to touch someone's heart. Um, you can certainly be a vessel of that and offer that. And I think it depends on your relationship and how close you are with that person. I mean, if you're close enough to them and they've, and they've confided that experience in you, I think you can share the, you know, just share the website with them, dawnofmercy.org. Um, also, you know, we've talked a couple times about calling. Um, the helpline is 469-613-3296. If anyone's listening, that's 469-613-3296. Um, but I think that's just the first step is, is, is just saying, you know, I know this is an experience 
that you've shared with me. And if you're looking for a support system, you know, just giving them that website so they can start down that path of discernment on their own and just continuing to hold them up in prayer. Because ultimately, like I said, it's really the Holy Spirit that has to invade them, let them know that you're there as a support system, that you're not going to judge them um, for what they've been through. Um, because I think um, that's a big part of it. You know, we live in this very isolating society, everything with social media and how we in texting and how we interact with each other. So sometimes just pulling beyond yourself out of that isolation that sometimes our that our that our you know community can seem to to foster it, it can be its own obstacle to really get people to embrace the idea of community. And I think that's a big part of what the event on December 4th is saying is that some, you know, in some ways community used to come more naturally to us decades ago, but now that we've all, you know, we move away from our families, we connect by computers and by phones, even that idea of connecting with a community can be a challenging idea. So it might take a while for someone, you know, who's experienced this, they're already naturally um, maybe in a shame spiral to just kind of take that next step of saying, yes, there's a community out there and I accept that idea can be a big challenge. So just being patient with them and providing the resource, you know, uh, Sherry might have some other thoughts on that, but that that's kind of where I would start. Sherry. Um, one thing I would add is don't be afraid to mention it to somebody. Because sometimes we think, well, maybe I shouldn't bring the subject up, or they might get mad at me. Um, but you're not helpful if you're not really helping them. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid. And even if their initial reaction might be one of, of, of anger, remember that that's part of the trauma. Yeah. That's, you have triggered their trauma. And they will see, and maybe you can even help them to see, that that because they reacted in that way, that says all the more that they could use some some support, some help and support. Just have a few minutes remaining in this interview of the week. We're talking about Dawn of Mercy. This is a healing program, uh, emotional, spiritual healing for individuals who are harmed by sexual assault, uh, regardless of the age when the assault happened or whether you're a man or a, or a woman. Uh, they want to help everybody. Sherry Havlick is founder and president. Becky Vasoski is a board member. And Sherry, I know in addition to those who need healing, you want them to reach out to you. But I know that... Uh, You're looking for volunteers, you're looking for donors. What are are the other needs? We definitely need volunteers. In fact, somebody who could help with some of this outreach, whether it's outreach to those who need the services or outreach to other organizations. Um, It's no longer a, a just a couple people program. We are very busy and we have a lot of people that that have been signing up for our our uh, programs. And so volunteers are definitely needed, you know, whatever your talent is. And they can uh, contact you, healing at dawnofmercy.org or call 469-613-3296. Can they call that same number or is that sure. only? Okay, yeah, because so, yeah. it'll go to either Bernice or uh, I. Okay, website dawnofmercy.org uh, as well. You know, I, I, I just... Uh, I know you both have so much experience in healing from abortion. And I just want you to maybe just talk about some of the, the, the people that have been healed that you've, you, you've witnessed. And just as an encouragement for the, for the people who are listening right now, that it doesn't need to be the way it is now. And you don't need to be in this, the, the spiral that, that Becky talked about. And there, there is hope. And of course, it's through Jesus Christ. And, uh, the, 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 and, but talk, speak about that. Give somebody hope right now who's, who's suffering. There, there is 
there are so many examples. I, I, I can give so many testimonies that people have given, but maybe the best overall example is when, when people come into our retreat on Friday, Friday morning, they're all kind of closed up. You can kind of tell from their, uh, from their body language that they're afraid and they're, they're, they don't want to look at you in the eye and they don't, you know, barely say hi. And then by the time we go through to, we have Friday and then Saturday and they're starting to be kind of chipper and, you know, they are all interacting with each other. And by Sunday, by Sunday morning even, we always keep the curtains closed for confidentiality, you know, so that nobody can see that they're there. By Sunday morning, we say, hey, what do you guys think? You want to open the curtains today, let a little light in? And they are all excited. Yes, let's see the outside. And we open the curtains, and it's just bright and light in there. And by the time they're leaving, they are all smiles and hugs. And it is just, it's its an amazing transformation. Mm. Now, like I said, that once they leave there, it is still a journey. Yeah. But yeah. just in three days, it is amazing to see the difference. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate so much, Sherry, you coming in and talking about this. Founder, President, Dawn of Mercy. And uh, Becky, we got about a less than a minute, but I want to give you one more chance to just give encouragement to uh, men and women out there to, to, to call or email. What would you say? I just got a little bit of time here. Well, I think I can't say any better than someone who's been on the retreat. And I think one of the testimonies that really hit me is that Sherry shared with the board was this retreat made me feel safe, heard, and loved. And and to me, that really encapsulates what we're trying to do is people who come to us broken and through Christ's mercy, find that safety, find that place where they can be heard and find that place where they can feel loved. Very good. Well, thanks to both of you. We are out of time, but uh, the helpline, 469-613-3296, website dawnofmercy.org, email healing at dawnofmercy.org. Don't forget about the Beyond Survival event, which is December 4th. That's a Saturday, I trust? Yeah, it's uh, a Monday. Oh, Monday. Okay, Mo- Monday. Monday, December 4th. Uh, I, can't, I can't trust my trust. <laughs> uh, St. Rita Catholic Community Commons Center, okay? It's 8.30 to 10 a.m., Monday, December 4th, so you can and, uh, I'm sure find information on dawnofmercy.org about that event as well. Uh, Sherry and Becky, thank you very much for your time. And also thank you, James. Uh, James is solo now. Sissel has left the control room. James is doing the solo job there. Uh, thank you so much for running the board. And thank you all for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, you can email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Are you a man who is considering whether God might be calling you to the priesthood? If so, then please prayerfully consider joining Father Brett Metzler, the vocation director of the Diocese of Fort Worth, and others like you for a men's discernment retreat on Friday, December 29th from 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. The retreat will include time for prayer, talks of discernment, and opportunities to speak with seminarians and priests. For more information, email vocations at fwdioc.org. Have you ever heard an aviation emergency on the news? You hear the pilot in ATC talking, but what do you miss? The pilot asking their aircraft dispatcher what they should say on the radio to sound cool. Aircraft dispatchers are the problem solvers working at the airline's operations center. My wife and I run Aircraft Dispatcher Training Center in Farmer's Branch. Thanks to the amazing program here at the GRN, we have become Catholic and now sponsors of this great station. 
Thank you for joining me for this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Cecil Anderson is running the board for us today. I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. And uh, the purpose of this show is to just highlight people, things, activities, events in the Catholic world, in the Dallas and Fort Worth Diocese that you may not otherwise be aware of. And I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear about how people are helping to build up the body of Christ here in North Texas and the Catholic world. And my dear friend, Mary Sladek, recently came in to help us with our fall share And in the course of conversation, she was telling me about a friend of hers by the name of Kelly Shoup, who is a occupational therapist, especially a pediatric occupational therapist. And uh, I said, wow, she sounds really interesting. Maybe I could interview her sometime. And uh, lo and behold, she's here in the studio, and that's how it works. Somebody recommends, and I connect, and uh, and we, we do an interview. And so uh, Kelly's website is kellykshoup.com, uh, K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P.com. Uh, she is a mother of... Three teenagers, a 19-year-old boy and 17- and 14-year-old girls. And I'll just read something off her website, and then we'll bring her into the conversation. She said she is an educated, licensed occupational therapist with over 20 years of experience working with kids, plus 17 years in the trenches parenting her son and two daughters. I have a long track record of success supporting parents and their kids. Parents can trust me to help ease their parenting challenges. And so, uh, Kelly, thanks for coming in and welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So how did you connect with uh, Mary Sladek? Have uh, you all been friends for a long time? or? Yeah, several years. So she and I first became friends because I was um, training puppies to become service dogs. Okay. And I would take the dogs to um, daily mass early in the morning because the um, I, this is at St. Monica, there was a stone floor. And so I had a little puppy that had to start getting acclimated to being outside. And there was, if the puppy had an accident, so daily mass was quiet. There was um, a floor that was stone if an accident happened and it it was um, a short amount of time. And mm. so all the parishioners would see me bring this little puppy. And so Mary was getting a puppy. And so we started talking and um, she's just become a good friend. Yeah, the rest is history. How interesting. Yeah. I, I, I never would have anticipated it had to do with uh, training a dog and going to mass. How interesting. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your background. Did you grow up Catholic? How you kind of got into the, the the interest in, I guess, kind of occupational therapy in the first place. A little bit about, about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a cradle Catholic. I was born in St. Louis, middle of three kids, um, and lived, grew up mostly in Kansas, um, was headed to the University of Kansas to get a business degree, and then kind of my junior year took a left turn and wanted to do something else that would allow me to have, um, to a more flexible work schedule to, you know, be home with kids or, and I didn't have any idea what that would look like. Mm -hmm. I just knew that, um, I did not want to work, you know, 50 hours a week in some, um, business capacity. So, um, I'd been babysitting, nannying, had always had a great love for kids. 
I um, started a little preschool in my basement when I was in probably middle school and went around the neighborhood collecting everybody's kids, (laughs) came up with activities and um, games and things like that. So I have always had a lifelong love for young kids. Mm -hmm. And then uh, how about occupational therapy in in Jen? Then this is what you thought that uh, would be outside the 50 hour a week box. And did you always want to own your own own practice, your own business? Um, i I would say no, that I didn't know that I wanted to own my own practice. But the more I looked into what fields felt right to me, um, physical therapy, I knew that if I did something medical, I could have flexibility in the schedule. And occupational therapy had lots of attractive things. It's lots of people who are out-of-the-box thinkers. And so occupation doesn't mean occupation as in job that that brings in revenue. Occupation actually means any activity or task that has meaning or value to someone. Mm -hmm. So I literally can help anybody with anything that has value and meaning to them. Is it a five-year-old tying their shoe? Is it an 80-year-old woman who's had a stroke who wants to hold her own fork? Is it a football player who's injured his hand and wants to be able to throw the, the football again? So... OTs are working across the ages, all kinds of different capacities. Mm -hmm. But for me, because I love kids and have my own kids, it was the place where it brought me the most joy. I always had families, moms come up and say, what are you doing? How do you do that? Why do your kids act this way? This looks different to me. So I'm always consulting and helping while raising my own kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you get some real-life experience, as you mentioned, uh, on the website as well. So is uh, occupational therapy always physical challenges, or is there any kind of psychology or or mental aspect to it as well? Yes, there's definitely a mental aspect to it, which is why it was attractive to me also over, I would say, physical therapy. So I have, you know, education based on the brain. I dissected the entire body, and it's understanding that brain-body connection. And so, of course, that ties into our Catholic faith in that we are, you know, body, mind, soul, composite. We are all of it together. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of parenting professionals will kind of separate it out, like this is a mind thing or this is a body thing. I'm like, no, this is a complete package here. So the mind absolutely is a part that I look at too. Yeah. As you, this is going to be a very general question, but as you look at the overall kind of landscape, especially, I think you probably work more with moms than dads, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but well, how, how are how are people doing <laughs> these days? It seems like life moves so fast. There's so much going on. A lot of women are working, raising kids. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a challenging time, isn't it? It's a very challenging time. I would say, overall, we are not doing well. So moms are busier than ever, and the, they're less connected to their kids. Kids are, all kids um, are really hurting. You know, depression, mental issues. Um, I was at a, a drug talk on fentanyl last week. So it's, yes, it's a very hard time right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that parents need to pull out of the busy and the noise 
and get back to understanding the uniqueness of their child, what their values are for their family, and how they function best, and be okay setting a boundary of, you know what, we really can't do two activities for each of our kids. Mm -hmm. We don't function well that way. We have to do what works for us. And a lot of parents don't have the, the strength to do that. And also we see on our phone, right, we have so much information, too much information about what to do and how it should look. And this looks perfect on so-and-so's Instagram. My parenting must be terrible. What's wrong with me? There's shame. There's guilt that parents feel. Um, Because everybody presents themselves in the mm -hmm. positive on social media. Yeah. And you, uh, yeah, I I got a friend that's with his wife over in Europe right now, run around Italy. And I'm like, gosh, why can't I take my wife to Italy? I want to go to Italy. Right. (laughs) It's always, yeah, people are putting their best out there and it makes uh, you kind of, yeah, you're trying to keep up with everybody else, right? Right. But it's not reality because there are moments of, the good stuff, but there's a lot of messy stuff in between. (laughs) And so the messy stuff is what I typically help parents kind of navigate and understand that that's just the normal human condition. And um, they're normally every parent that I help, every child, even if that child is challenged or has special needs, they have so much um, good stuff that they're doing, so many positive attributes that are working for them. I just help point that out. Yeah. Let me ask about social media. I think this is something that every parent of any kid probably nowadays uh, from about eight up is going to have to address. And there are people like Dr. A. Grendy on Catholic Radio who takes a very hard stand on they shouldn't have it, you know. Uh, to some people, just unfettered access. And if, you know, if I take it away, they're going to hate me and, uh, you know, they're going to be isolated. And, and I know I've got, I've got two teenage daughters. It's, it's a really tough decision. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I think, again, it goes back to understanding your family, what your family needs. So I don't take a hard stance on it. I, I do think it needs to be the minimal amount. And I think every child who is going to get a phone, um, seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever that age is for you that works for your family, do a contract. I recommend a cell phone contract with a child who can read and sign their name that says, you don't own this phone, this won't be in your bedroom, whatever the rules are. And... I don't recommend not giving them a phone until they're high school or college because I want kids and parents to work together to use it well. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of parents who are scared of a phone. They come to me with this fear that if they give their child the phone, it's going to, you know, unleash something. Yeah. And as a parent, we want to not live in fear. We want to be out in front of our kids knowing, okay, I can do this. I can guide them. I have control of their phone. So for every parent, you need to have their passcode. You need to be checking and checking through the history. You need to decide what are the parameters. And there are certain um, phones that you can buy that have different controls that are better than others. And so there's, again, lots of different options to just 
gradually get to a stage of leading kids to, to use it well. And so I don't want to, again, throw them to the wolves when mm-hmm. they're in college and say, here's your phone. Yeah. No, I want to um, have parameters. And at the end of the day, here's your contract. I pay for it. So I can pull that phone based on you know any of the rules that you've broken. But the contract gives clarity so nobody's forgotten what the rules are. Like, oh, I forgot that I was supposed to give you the passcode. No, mm-hmm. no, no. It says right here yeah. in writing. Yeah. So it just makes it clear and manageable. And then, you know, I've had with my kids so many discussions. Okay, I was reading your text, Will, and, you know, this language wasn't okay. This, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's, it's kind of with grace and space that you're, you're helping kids who they don't have a fully formed brain. They don't have a fully formed body. So their judgment is not going to be like you or mine. Yeah, yeah. And so being understanding, but saying, hey, let's do this differently. Here's how you could address this. Lots of different things. Yes. My guest is Kelly Shoup. She is a pediatric occupational therapist. I didn't ask you your parish. Are you um, in the in the Dallas Diocese? Yes, St. Rita. St. Rita. Okay. I should have asked you. Mother yeah. of three teenagers. Uh, her website, kellykshoup.com, kellykshoup, S-H-O-U-P.com, and uh, also a Catholic uh, parenting coach. We can talk more about that in a second. Let's bring in uh, the Catholic faith. How is that incorporated into your work as an occupational therapist and also as a, uh, a parenting coach? You know, it's, it's the foundation of who I am. So over the years, I've had so many moms with um, issues in their family, and they'll say, how can you be so calm about this? Or how can you have this interesting idea? And I, I don't think it comes from me. I think it's from the Holy Spirit. It's about my early morning prayer and being intentional about being open to um, what this particular family needs. And so um, I have a lot of Christian families that find me, but a lot of families who come to me and want, you know, this is a problem or how do I deal with this? And I share spiritual tools, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you have a child who is high school and college age, this is a child who's getting ready, if they haven't left already, to be independent. God actually physically turns off their ears so they don't hear you as well Mm -hmm. because they're getting ready to go be independent. So developmentally, that's what's going to happen. So if I'm talking, you know, constantly to them about do your college apps and, you know, pick up (laughs) your socks and clean your bedroom and all this stuff, they don't hear. So, um, I have to come up with other ways. So a lot of times I'll tell parents, text them, leave them a, a note, a written note on their door, because they'll read that. But um, you can be very effective with prayer, with fasting, uh, saying the rosary, you know, lots of different ways that we can have more <coughs> impact on our kids. Yeah. In a spiritual way. Yeah. I noticed on the the information you sent, you gave me that there's theology of the body incorporated mm-hmm. into your practice. Are you trained in theology of the body or how, do, how does that kind of work into your, your work as an occupational therapist? So I'm not officially trained in theology of the body. I would love to have more time to delve into that, but I have done 
courses and been exposed to it over many years, but it's understanding, again, just the every cell in our bodies is made by God for a particular purpose. And so the cells in a male's eyes are different than in a woman's. And so, you know, if a mom says, oh, my goodness, my son can never see his football gear that's right Mm -hmm. in front of him. Well, his eyes see differently than a mom's do. And so it's bringing out also, you know, that what what does love look like? What is self-gift? It's it's all of that that um, is so important to just in practical, realistic in a person's home and interaction with their kids, I want to bring it up. I want parents to know this is it. This is living in action, theology of the body in your home. Yes. Yeah, that though that body of teaching was a great gift to, to the church uh, from St. John Paul II for sure. Healing parental wounds. Uh, this is tough because we're all walking wounded. We're all <laughs> hurt ourselves. And so it's the wounded trying to help the wounded. Uh, well, what uh, can you say about that? Uh, realizing that we're wounded as we try to, to help our children and, and, and our friends and other people. Yeah, just um, self-awareness. And so one of the areas that I really look at with kids and with parents is the sensory system. And that's how um, each human takes in through their senses the reality of the environment they're in through hearing, through touch, through taste, through smell. And a lo- every human I know has sensitivities in one of their senses. And a lot of times this is a place that they could have been wounded. If, um, let's say, I'm very hearing sensitive. And so if I'm in a noisy gym or if I'm in, um, you know, a busy airport, it's exhausting to my brain mm-hmm. because I can't filter out the different sounds. But where it shows up in a wound is if as a child, my parents were constantly telling me, you know, oh, you're so, you know, you weren't listening or why are you so disagreeable every time we take you to a basketball game? Then that would land on me and, you know, could be a scar or a wound. And I could be carrying that around into my parenting when I'm an adult. And I still have my hearing sensitivity, but it's understanding what some of those sensitivities are, understanding that God gave us what he gave us. We're unique, each of us, but also similar. So, you know, we all have hearts, we all have muscles, we all have the senses that we use. But when families, moms can understand their sensory profile, also for their kids, then there's some understanding of, okay, this could be a time where I could be grumpier than normal. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm going to take my child into this certain situation, let's say I'm going to take them to the beach, and it's a child who's tactile sensitive, which means touching stuff can be triggering to them. So they don't like the feel of sand on their beach Mm -hmm. or on their toes, or they don't like um, touching sand. It doesn't mean they're trying to be a bad kid. It doesn't mean they're trying to be difficult. It just means they have a need that's different than 
parent, mom, the rest of the family. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Kelly Shoup is a pediatric occupational therapist. Her website, kellykshoup.com, kellykshoup.com. And in the time that we have remaining, I want to talk about some of the services that you provide and I see it's one-on-one private sessions. Uh, you will go out and speak at engagements, schools, churches. And also you have a monthly Catholic parenting, uh, I guess, uh, get-together. So why don't we do them in reverse order? So uh, once a month you get together what, online for a parenting uh, yeah, meeting? So or I, tell us about that. Yeah, so I have an online um, monthly membership where parents can join. We do a group coaching session once a week. And inside the portal of this monthly membership, moms have access to spiritual tools, different prayers. Um, there are games, activities that are good for um, connecting with your kids. I also have different courses that I have recorded, ones on picky eating, ones on soothing separation anxiety with kids. A lot of times, you know, if you're um, taking your three-year-old and you want to leave him in the nursery while you go into church. Why is my kid clinging to me? How could I make this easier? Um, self-regulation is another course where how do, you know, we help kids regulate and stay calm. What do we need to do to have them sit and behave during mass? That might look like running around the church three times before we even go in. Mm-hmm. So it's helping just give simple Again, easy, applicable um, ideas that parents can use every day to make it more pain-free and less stressful. And And I think you told me before we started, you have people around the world that that join in on this, right? Uh, I think you said Sweden and different countries. Yes, yeah. That must add a lot to it to get different perspectives from different countries. How interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's interesting because... Even though people are from all over the world, these moms are dealing with all of the same mm-hmm. feelings yeah. of, I'm not doing enough. They know, obviously, this this job matters, raising kids well, and they feel guilt. I'm not, you know, I, I didn't do this right, or I yelled at my kid, and I'm like, that's okay, right? We yeah. know the human condition is broken, and we know that we're we are that way because God made us that way so we would cling to him and we would need him to get through each of our days. It reminds me of what Socrates said, know thyself. For sure. <laughs> it's very important, yes. isn't it, to know ourselves. Yes. Um, okay, speaking engagements at schools and churches, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of self-explanatory if uh, people would like you to come out and speak about a variety of topics. What's the number one topic people want to, if you are invited to a women's group or mom's group, what, what do they typically want you to talk about? A lot of times it's discipline. And the other one is just, um, I talk to mom's groups about understanding that the fullness of the Catholic faith actually parallels the parenting experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, those I'm, are the two topics. I'm curious uh, if you're, the kids were here. What would they say about mom being a parenting coach? Does uh, does, does that do they think it's funny? Does it put pressure on them? Like they got to be the perfect kids because mom talks about this all the time. Or what would they say? No, I think that they've they've known for a long time that I parent differently than a lot of parents. Um, they they do laugh about it, and I also am the first to admit that I'm 
when I'm speaking to another family, I'm not in that family, so I'm more neutral. But with my kids, right, I'm, I'm more emotionally tied, so I'm easier to be triggered. It, I'm, I'm more emotional with yeah, them, and yeah. so I, I, I usually have to apologize to my kids at least once a day <laughs> for something I've missed. Something you know, yeah. I'm can be short with them, but um, once you understand the the grace that God gives us and that at the end of the day, it all goes back to love. And so it starts with love and I, parents have to invest and be intentional about connecting with their kids. Mm. And I have been always that way with my kids. But so when you connect, then you can direct, then you can correct. And so you have to have that connection. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.